When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Riley's going to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Adarius Bowman with the TD. The steal by Connor McDavid. 99 points. Looking to make it 100. Over the line. Dishes off. Back to score. There it is. That's 100 points for Connor McDavid. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. So for the second season in a row, for the second season in a row, the CFL has made a mid-season rule change about video review. Here is what is happening as of now for the games starting tomorrow and the Eskimos game on Friday against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. One video review challenge per game. That's it. You get one per game. Before, as of yesterday, and all the games played this season, teams had two challenges per game, and a third was earned if a coach was successful with the first two challenges. So there could be up to six a game total. Now, coaches will still need to have a timeout to make a challenge, and if their challenge is not successful, they will still lose a timeout. So that's the basics for the rule. You remember they they made a mid-season change last year where you lose a timeout. We have a new commissioner, obviously, Randy Ambrosi. You're going to hear from him in a few minutes because he was a driving force behind this change. He'll tell you why he did it. And this is one of those things I definitely want to hear from you because I have noticed doing this show for the last four years, whenever I say the words video review, even if it's just in passing or whether it's a full-on topic like this one, a few of you get fired up or at least have something to say about it you can text 630 630 after randy is on the show the phone lines will be open 780-496-0063 thanks a lot for tuning in it's inside sports on 630 ched my name is reed wilkins eskimos tiger cats coming up friday night six o'clock for the countdown to kick off the game will start at 7 30 brickfield at commonwealth stadium eskimos 5 and 0 tiger cats 0 and 5 we'll have uh, drew edwards on to talk about the tabbies a little bit later on they hired a new assistant head coach today so it makes you wonder if he's a successor to kent austin drew edwards will give us the details there we'll also have the new record holder for the longest play in eskimos history vidal hazelton set to join us in about half an hour before we bring in the commissioner head coach Jason Moss asked today about the change to the challenge rule. No comment. That's what I think. So <laughs> don't ask me about it. That'll be my comment every time. In the statement from the commissioner, though, I'll just ask you. Don't ask. I'm not going to answer anything about the challenges. Okay. That's it. I, I'm not going to. So don't ask me, please. Uh, does it inhibit what you? Don't ask me anything about challenges. Don't. I don't care to comment on it. To be quite honest, I'm focused more on the, the game and on Hamilton and getting our team prepared and not com- going to comment and not care one bit about the challenges or what the rule is anymore. All right. So Jason Moss, a long explanation 
of uh, not commenting. They're going to hand it to Adam Cook from CTV for trying, but uh, Moss, uh, you know, stuck to his guns there and didn't have anything to say. My quarterback Mike Riley was also asked about it today. It doesn't affect me at all. You know, I go out there and try to execute every play individually as best as I can, as does everybody on our team. Um, you know, it's that's for the league office to make those decisions and for our coaching staff. Um, you know, they're the ones that decide if we're going to challenge or not, and they look at every play, uh, whether they think something happened and if it needs to be reversed. But uh, yeah, in, in terms of the, the rule changes, that doesn't affect my decision-making or my job in the slightest. If I see something that I think is pass interference or, you know, whatever the case may be, and sometimes it's hard to see it from the sideline, um, you know, I'll go tell them, hey, you may want to take a look at that one. And that's that happens throughout every single game, and it doesn't matter if it's the first play, the last, or somewhere in between. So, uh, yeah, again, that won't affect how I operate at all. I've seen a lot of successful challenges overturned. So if you look at the percentages, you know, I know we're over 50%. So I don't think that I can speak for any other team other than my own. And I think that when we throw a challenge flag, it's because we think we saw something that could be corrected. Um, you know, but what other teams do with their challenges, I couldn't tell you. Um, you know, but we're going to continue to operate how we always do. Well, I mean, absolutely, teams are going to continue to operate how they always do. It's it's a rule change. I think coaches can live with it. I mean, most of football history has not included video review challenges. So I think limiting it to one per game, in my mind, is keeping the fans in mind. And the game between the Eskimos and the BC Lions was a pretty entertaining game on Friday night. The stakes were high for an early season game. There were some huge plays, especially in the first half. Obviously, we referenced the historic play by Vidal Hazelton. It was a close game in the fourth quarter. And then there were four challenges early in the fourth quarter. And it just ground the game to a halt and took a lot of energy out of the stadium. And I, and I think that that's the concern. Uh, and uh, to enlighten us more on that, I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports the uh, still pretty new commissioner of the Canadian Football League. It's Randy Ambrosi joining us tonight. Randy, thanks for your time. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Thank you for asking. Yeah, well, I appreciate you making time for us because obviously I think this is a, a pretty significant announcement today that has a lot of fans and, and people in and around the CFL talking. Randy, give it to me in your own words. Why do you think why, why do you think it was important to change the challenge rule and especially to make the change mid-season to not wait? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, look, it, it's a it's a it's a great answer question. It's a, maybe a slightly complex answer, but I'll give you the simplest version possible. Look, for starters, I have been blown away by how incredible the football is, and I'm really blown away by how incredibly talented the the players are in the CFL. And I had felt over the course of uh, watching the games this season that you know, the games were being slowed down by a, uh, by a lot of challenge flags, and I thought fundamentally that it was taking away from the enjoyment that our fans get from watching the game. So that's that's one and two. The thing is, uh, the third piece is the piece that I, I learned as I talked to my new colleagues, and that was what was the original intent of the challenge flag system. And it was fundamentally to correct the egregious mistake. You know, the one play that might truly determine the outcome of a game and you wouldn't want the game decided by a, by a mistake by one of our officials and when you combine all of those 
and you see that a lot of times the challenge flags were being thrown because because coaches had them available to them, and they weren't necessarily going to correct a, an egregious um, error. They were just used as a tool. And look, I love coaches, and I think they are one of the most creative uh, you know, groups you'd ever find. They want to win so badly that they're going to use the tools you give them. But they weren't really being used in the spirit in which the original intent was designed. So for all of those reasons, I felt that it was important. But the fifth reason was everywhere I went, every stadium I visited, I got feedback from fans on this, that they felt that it was taking away from their enjoyment of the game and then, you know, I got some unsolicited feedback on, you know, via social media from our fans across the country, and they were all saying the same thing, that this is hurting the game and it's making the game less watchable. And when you're, when you're watching these amazing games being played and you think of a fan dropping off because they're frustrated over the challenge flags, I just felt like we had to do something. And so I took it to my colleagues, and with Glenn Johnson's support, we had a conversation with all of the teams, and um, we took it to our competition committee, and we got unanimous uh, support for a change. And then I took that to the team presidents, and we got unanimous support from the team presidents, and we took that to our governors last night and got unanimous support from them as well. And I think it was just clear to me that this was the right thing to do and uh, to implement it now because we don't want to take away anything from the great game that uh, that our players are playing. Well, I can tell you there are probably people listening, and this is the type of topic I'm definitely going to get listener feedback on, Randy, but I definitely hear a lot about game flow and even some people saying, that, you know, some people, I don't want to speak for all fans, but that, that they might sooner live with a close call that might have been wrong uh, as opposed to have some of the delays in, in the game that, that we do get sometimes. So the game flow issue is is a big one for sure. Randy, look, I, I guess when you make a change like this midseason, i got to ask you the question, then about the replay um, system in general, are, are you leaning towards or, or are you inclined to in the off season to really sit down and say, okay, I, 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 we were able to tweak it mid, mid-season, maybe we really needed to overhaul it, whether it's what can be challenged, the pass interference, the roughing the pass. like Because like, it seems to me, you know, you've taken a definite step here a little bit away from relying on the technology. Are you ready to say we might even have to go further away from it or narrow it down a bit? Well, I think what I can say with great conviction is that I am on board. In fact, I made this promise to all levels of our partners in the league that we would do a formal review of our challenge flag system and our and our uh, control um, control room re- replay system, and we would do we would do it all in the off season when we take a deep breath and get it right. And I think we should have an open mind. I think when we are going into this, and that's one of the things that I'm going to encourage, let's go in with, a, with an open mind. Let's, let's not um, close options that could make our game better. I personally believe we have the greatest game in the world, and it's played by world-class athletes, and I want Canadians from coast to coast to be in love with our game. And I'm going to do everything I can to make this game as watchable, make the experience as great as we, as we can make it. And if that means bringing my partners to the table and, and encouraging everyone to consider all possibilities for the way we use the technology, then, that, then that's what I'm going to do. 
Randy Ambrosi joining us on Inside Sports. CFL uh, Commissioner, we're talking about the change today to the uh, CFL Challenge rule. You, you mentioned game flow, and, and I want to just get back to that and some of the stuff you hear from fans about you know, the pauses in the games or, or even the lengths of games. Replay aside, are, are you... Uh, would you say satisfied or relatively satisfied with how the games clip along and the substitutions and the TV timeouts? Or is is that something maybe you're going to be evaluating throughout the course of the year as well? Well, you know, I think about it, you know, as I think we all are prone to do, I often think about it from my own, through my own lens. And, you know, we're all busy lives and and I think we ought to play the games as efficiently as we can. That's just a matter of respecting our fans and their valuable time. You know, right now I think the games are do really doing well. I, I, you know, can we get them to be better? You know, one of the things I asked uh, this week was for a breakdown of the length of time it's taking taking us to play our games. And I and I did that for the very reason that you're suggesting is I want to make sure that the games are flowing that they're moving along quickly because I think that's the fans love it when you're getting some of these amazing games we've had where they're just back and forth and back and forth and the time just seems to go away quickly I think those are the fa- those are the nights where our fans are coming back and they're telling their friends and they're talking about us at the water cooler the next day we've got to get to more of that so I think we need to look at these things carefully we have to use data as a tool and uh, but ultimately, I'd like to see our games played as efficiently and quickly as we can, because in the end, I think that is a formula for for more fan entertainment. All right. Well, this is going to be a discussion point. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, 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 we'll see how my show goes tonight, Randy. But I, I do think most people are going to like this. And uh, but we'll see once I, I take some calls and get some texts here from loyal Eskimos fans and fans around the league. Hey, I know you're busy today with this decision and, and talking about it. So thanks for joining us on 6:30, Chad, and all the best. Uh, that's great. Well, thank you very much as well. Have a great day. That's CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi and uh, some texts already rolling in to 630-630. We do have open line time, 780-496-0063. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about a couple of the points Randy emphasized. I'll read uh, some of the fan feedback that we're getting already and maybe discuss some alternatives because I do get the sense if Ambrosi's willing to step up and drive this through midseason, I got to think there's stuff he doesn't like about the video review, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are some big changes in the offseason. Just the sense I'm getting. It's 619 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Well, your quarterback, Mike Riley, a CFL Player of the Month. They picked three of them, of course, Riley leading the Eskimos to a 5 0 record. His completion percentage, 72.3. He's thrown only one pick all season long. He threw 220 straight passes before he was intercepted last Friday against the BC Lions. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Ched. So one challenge, that's it. One challenge is all CFL coaches will now get. They used to get two and a third if uh, one of the first two was right and they will still lose a timeout if the challenge is wrong so the stakes remain uh, pretty high for for uh, having a wrong challenge some text to 63630 uh, this texter says our scoring plays still reviewed what about turnovers yes the 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 reviews done automatically by the command center do not change this pertains only to the coach's challenges 
HSC says, I think this is a great move by the CFL and Ambrosi. Gary Bettman and the NHL should be taking notes from this. Uh, this texter says, I feel the opposite. I think teams should have unlimited challenges as long as they are right. If you are wrong on the first one, you're done. The reason for my stance is the refereeing in the CFL is horrible. Another texter says, uh, Reed, I hope the next step is getting rid of challenging pass interference. You know, that that's a, a really good comment, I I think, and that's I, I I to me that's a lot of the controversy that has come out of the challenges has revolved around the the CFL adding pass interference as something you can challenge. Now we got to remember a pass interference challenge on in the 2015 Grey Cup greatly aided the Eskimos game winning drive, and, and it, it was a there was pass interference on the play, it was not called. And uh, the uh, Chris Jones was encouraged by I believe was it Ken, wasn't it Kenny Stafford who encouraged Jones to throw the challenge flag? He did. The Eskimos won the challenge, moved the ball along, and eventually got the Jordan Lynch touchdown to win the game. There's another school of thought, and I'm pretty sure Wally Buono has put that out there, is that you can only challenge something that was called. So, if there's no flag for pass interference. The offensive team can't throw the flag and say, I think there was pass interference. But if P.I. is called and the defensive team doesn't think it was there, they can challenge that. So that's a little bit of a, a, a limit to what would be available. Th- this, is, this has r- really been, I, I, th- I think it, to, to me, the, the fun part about talking about it is it goes deeper than just okay, what's going to happen in a game? How will the coaches deploy this? I think it really speaks to the way we watch sports, the expectations you know we as fans and media have of officials. And I, I guess the thing that encouraged me is a little bit, I think that a lot of you, I'm, not, I'm obviously not going to generalize and say everybody, but I think a lot of you are willing to live with a degree of official error because... You would sooner see something and say, you know what, I think maybe that was wrong, or I'm pretty sure that was wrong, but I don't want to sit here with nothing to look at for the next three minutes while they find out, because that's not very exciting. And Ambrosi made the point, games are getting slowed down. The intent of video review is to fix egregious mistakes. It is not for coaches to go on fishing expeditions. And that's what has happened. And if you're a coach and you have both challenges left in the fourth quarter, well, darn right, you're going to look for an opportunity to use them. Why wouldn't you? You know, now maybe you'll think about it a little more. Maybe you'll only throw it when you're sure you're going to win. And, yes, maybe that's going to hurt you in the fourth quarter if you, if you don't have the challenge. But I think we saw with those Edmonton-BC plays, they were all pretty close. And I, I think, you know, that P.I. in the end zone, and it's interesting, Wally Buono himself has said that was pass interference by Pure Foy on Mitchell because he turned the receiver's body. Wally actually said they got that right. Um, but even though to a, to a lot of people it didn't look like P.I., but it's so close, probably most people just would have lived with that being called the way it was on the field. Jed, I got about 40 seconds for you. Go ahead. Hey, boy. I'm an old boy. Back in the day, I never seen the challengers. I never seen this. I never seen that. It was all about the fans. The fans were treated to great football. Let's bring that back. And finally, Ambrosi's going to do that, I think. He sees what everybody else is missing. And the other one is, when you're sitting in the stands or when you're sitting at home and you say, are you kidding me? 
And the next thing you know, the guy on TV says, I don't believe that call. And the other last one I got is, hey, maybe the lady that lost the million dollars, right. she should have a challenge flag. She should have been able to throw it because that was a brutal call. Jed, thanks for that. Vidal Hazelton coming up next, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Mark Letestu, Matt Benning, Cam Talbot, the current Oilers players on the Windermere course yesterday for the Oil Country Classic Celebrity Pro-Am. Bit of a rainy day, but they got out there and had some fun. Wayne Gretzky was there, Grant Fuhr, Glenn Sather, some of the big names, Craig Simpson as well. The tournament starts tomorrow. We've had a couple uh, players on the show. Jason Martins, local guy who's going to be competing. Jamie Sedlowski as well. Jamie Sedlowski was on the show last night. Really interesting interview. And if you ever miss anything, go to 630ched.com. We have all the past shows on the Inside Sports page. You can also go through uh, iTunes and, and get it there. Get the podcast there for Inside Sports. And Jamie, really interesting guy. I mean, he, he's hit a golf ball 485 yards in, in long drive competition. And he has played for the Bonneville Pontiacs. He was a teammate of Mark Letestu's in 05-06 when Letestu won league MVP. And now Sadlowski trying to make it. I, I joked with him yesterday. I was calling it real, real golf, which is, kind of, I think, kind of insulting. In traditional golf, in 18-hole golf. So uh, he did well. Uh, he's, he got a couple sponsor exemptions. Did well in a tournament last month. Finished tied for 23rd. Now he's going forward in the Oil Country Championship. So it'll be interesting to follow Jamie. And uh, we'll have updated scores for you tomorrow on Inside Sports. Talking a little bit about the uh, video review. The change in the CFL, if you missed it, you only you don't only get one coach's challenge per game. If you're wrong, you lose your timeout. This texture says, hey, Reed, it's about time. I hope the league goes even further next year and totally gets rid of the challenge. I can totally understand why Jason Moss had no comment. Uh, he has to lead the league in video challenges, and this texture says it was getting embarrassing to be an Eskimos fan. I'm glad and good for the league and having the guts to do it midseason. Great interview with Randy Ambrosi. That is uh, from a texture to 63630. Another texture says, my priority would be to put all the officials through a pass interference training course. It drives me nuts how inconsistent the calls are they seem to call it one time but then the same action happens later and it's a non-call and how they seem to forget that the defender also has a right to the ball you know it, it's tough to be a defender in the cfl and and, and look I, I i i'm not arguing with that text because there are some calls that have been head scratching absolutely but you know they, they want more offense they, they want the receiver to have the advantage and, and if the receiver's body is altered at all by the defender it's pass interference. And, and Wally Buono himself, who had a call cost him in the game on Friday when uh, Purefoy was called for interference on Mitchell in the end zone, it was originally ruled incomplete. The Eskimos challenge, it's overturned. They get the ball on the one, they score, and they take control of the game from there. You know, Buono even said, that was P.I. on my guy because even if it's subtle, he turned the receiver's body. Now, I know some of you will say, Maybe they should factor in, you know, how much, how little, how little happens on the play. Um, it, it seems a lot of you are okay with what is happening today. Only, I mean, the one texture said there should be unlimited challenge challenges. I don't think they would ever go that route. But we'll continue discussing it. Hey, but we got a special guest coming up here. And he's got that one, Hazelton to midfield, and he's running down the sidelines. Vidal Hazelton to the ten, the five, touchdown Eskimos. 108 yards to the end zone, Vidal Hazelton. 
So all that is is now the longest play in the entire history of the Edmonton Eskimos. And the guy who scored the touchdown joins me now, Vidal Hazelton on the show. Vidal, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for making time for me. That, that was Morley Scott on the play-by-play. Had you heard that call before? Um, I haven't. It sounded pretty good. I like the way it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I, I know you're looking ahead to the to the game, but I, I haven't had the chance to talk to you since you made that play. You know, I mean, you're second and nine on your own two. Uh, you're running a fly route. But I mean, were you thinking there was a good chance you were getting the ball, or were you more maybe clearing out for other guys? No, I knew it was a good chance I was getting the ball. Um, we was pretty backed up. I believe it was second down, and uh, it was just something that um, Coach Walsh and, and Coach. Moss talked about throughout the week, you know, like um, if we get in, in, in a long situation or kind of a desperate situation, we're kind of just going to throw up the 50-50 ball and uh, just let me go make a play. And uh, they did that. They gave me the call. And, and it just so happened we was on the two-yard line and I, I was able to make the play for 108 yards. You caught the ball and then the, the tackler, you know, you were able to step away from his tackle. When did you think, oh, my goodness, I might score here? Well, I was running, and the DB kind of like um, he, he widened towards the sideline. So, and on that play, I have the opportunity to go outside the DB or inside. So, as I seen him in his backpedal widening towards the sideline, I, I figured I wasn't going to be able to get around him. So, which initially that's that's what I, I initially want to do is get in his blind spot. That way, the DB can't see me. But so I just seen him widening, and I got inside, and uh, I just I had enough burst to run by him for maybe like two or three yards. And then uh, I looked up in the air, and the ball was just floating in the air. So once I seen the ball, I just made the catch. And uh, I knew he was going to be, like, trying to trying to tackle me as soon as I made the catch. So I just embraced myself for the, to break the tackle. And luckily I did, and I was able to go the distance. Yeah. Uh, how tired were you at the end of that run? <laughs> oh, man, I was really tired. I was telling everybody, uh, especially without a waggle on that play, I kind of started from – started from zero at that play but at the, um i was telling everybody man you, you don't you don't train for 108 yard sprint in the off season but this year this next off season that's coming up i, I promise you i will because it, it could pop up at any time and just running that that that, that long 108 yard sprint it kind of had me gassed the rest of the game so that's how that's how um tough those it, those chances are when you get it to to run those those deep patterns but Luckily, we got it done, and we got the win, and I'm happy. So I'm happy I'm in the record books, and me and Mike Riley got a special moment that we can we can cherish forever, and I'm, I'm just happy to be a part of it. Vidal, you mentioned Mike Riley. He was named one of the CFL Performers of the Month for July. No surprise when you're the quarterback of a 5-0 and team, and he only threw one mm-hmm. interception in five games. I mean, as a receiver, practicing with him, playing with him, what are some of the details of Riley's play that you would tell fans are making him so strong this year? Man, uh, Mike is just the first thing I can say about him is he's a great leader, you know. Uh, and and I, I tell people this all the time. I, I it just playing with him, I could kind of compare him to Tom Brady. Not saying that he's exactly Tom Brady, but just the way you know you watch Patriots games and, and how competitive Tom Brady is when he doesn't get a drive going or they go three and out or something like that. He goes to the sidelines and he's just. You know, he's just super competitive, that fiery type of quarterback. And uh, and even towards receivers, if, if we mess up on routes or something like that, he's going to let us know. And, and he's gonna, he's so competitive about it, like, hey, man, you got to make this play. You know what I'm saying? So he's such a demanding quarterback that when you're out there, you want to just be perfect because you know how wired, he, how wired in the game he is and how competitive he is. And you, 
that's the worst thing as a receiver. You don't ever want your quarterback uh, getting on your case or yelling at you. So when you're in there with Mike Riley, you just know you got to be on your game and, and always be ready to catch the ball and, and make plays because that's just all he wants to do. He wants to go out there and win the game and do his job. So I compare him to Tom Brady just from that fiery type of attitude, and uh, I enjoy every second playing with Mike. Yeah, well said. Vidal, Riley was on this show with me last week, and he paid you a compliment about how physical you are and how willing you are to, to fight for ball. Balls, you know, and, and fend off DBs to try to make a catch. You mm-hmm. proved that in the game-winning touchdown in Hamilton. Where does that come from for you? Because there are a lot of really good athletes who even play in the pro level who, you know, sometimes shy away from physical play or, or you know, would prefer not to do it if they had a choice. You you almost seem to look for it a bit. Where does that come from? Uh, it's just it started from young. Um, I, I've always, like, once, once I started playing wide receiver, I always prided myself to be the best So. To me, I always thought I looked at the best receivers as, man, you got to be able to block. You got to be able to run every route. You got to be able to make those tough catches and uh, be physical. So I always kind of pride myself on, on being that way. And I, and even from young, man, I, I always loved to, to block. I always loved the contact of run blocking, which a lot of receivers don't. So it kind of it kind of strands off of off of being being able to be so physical in the run game that. I just I just brought it into the passing game. Like whenever I caught the ball, I I would never shy away from trying to dip my my head on a on a linebacker or a safety or anybody. Like I'm just I'm just out there playing like everybody else because at the end of the day, I know that when when a safety or or a corner or someone gets a chance to hit me, they don't they don't shy away from it one bit. So I always try to bring the fight to those guys and let them know that hey, I'm here and it's going to be a long game. You need to strap your chin strap up. And uh, we let's play some football for 60 minutes. And after the game, uh, we, we 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 can shake hands. And and that's usually what I do. I shake hands and tell everybody, man, it's all love. But in the in, in during the time of the whistle of the game, I'm I'm going 100 110 percent. I'm not out there maliciously trying to hurt anybody. But I'm just out there just trying to be competitive and, and stay physical. And uh, DBs usually don't like when a receiver is like that. So I noticed that. So I just kept it in my game and kept on going with it. Vidal Hazleton joining us on Inside Sports, receiver for the Edmonton Eskimos. They're hosting Hamilton on, on Friday. Hey, look, Vidal, I, I don't want to ask you about the rule change today because I know that's that's a tough, tough for a player to comment on. But I do want to ask you about some of the delays that happen in a game when there is a video challenge. You know, as a talk show host, I hear a lot of fans complaining, why does it take so long? Um, there were some stoppages, obviously four in the first five minutes of the fourth quarter, Friday against B.C., you know, the rhythm of the game slows down a little bit for the people mm-hmm. watching it. What's it like for a player in that game? Is it is it tough when a challenge has you all standing around for a while, or what's it like waiting on the field? Well, um, it's a bittersweet feeling, honestly, because um, there's times when I've been on the sideline and, and, and the opposing team has threw a flag on us, and we're like, man, what, what, what is that for? So uh, I'm not used to – I'm not – I've never played football – well, I was used to, you know, like they re, um, reviewing like flags and stuff like that. But, you know, like I just I just took it for what it was, you know, it's the CFL rules and, and that's just how it would go. But for the most part, man, I grew up my whole life and it's just me versus the DB and, and whatever happens kind of happens. But I, I do like, like I said, it's a bittersweet feeling with the rule because DB sometimes they do get extra pushes in there and, and, and it is pass interference, but sometimes they do make good plays. So it's kind of a middle ground, but... I can I can um, understand why 
the the commission to kind of change the rule because it, uh, to me it does slow the game down sometimes and and like and just me I'm the type of receiver like I just like to go out there and play and that's exactly why I'm physical in my routes and in my route running and getting DBs off of me and trying to make the tough catches because just so we can avoid situations like that where where it may have been a pass interference or it may not. Yeah, if you catch it, it doesn't matter, right? You get the you get the, you get yeah, the game. Exactly. So, that's a good attitude to have. <laughs> hey, uh, I want to I want to ask you a couple things about your your playing uh, history, pro and in college. You were uh, at USC. Uh, you, you wound up finishing your career because you wound up transferring to Cincinnati. But you were at USC, and Pete Carroll was your head coach at that time, and he's been pretty mm-hmm. successful at uh, uh, with the Seahawks uh, as well. Look, I, I've never interviewed Pete Carroll or covered a Seahawks practice, but you always hear about his energy level. What, what's he like as a head coach? Uh, Pete Carroll, man, he's a great dude. Uh, he's, he's just like um, what, what what people see on TV. You know, his, uh, his stories from USC where, you know, uh, he's just that kind of – he's an energetic guy when it comes to meetings. You know, he, he knows that football players have a low attention span and meetings sitting there for hours. So he just finds creative ways to try to get guys – to stay awake, you know, even the way we do stuff in meetings, uh, just by playing music and different sort of things like that. And even in practice, um, he's a guy that he loves to work, so um, he's kind of getting older, so he just likes to stay in shape. So even when we're doing, like, kickoffs and practice and stuff, he's always running, and he's always telling guys, if I beat you down to feel, you know, <laughs> you, 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 might, you must not be working. And it's even times where we had seven on sevens in practice, and uh, he, he would tell Mark Sanchez, hey, man, I'm taking over seven on seven today. And uh, he'll go out there and be the quarterback, and, and, and the guy can really just throw darts. He's out there throwing darts, completing every pass. So it's pretty cool to see the type of um, competitiveness he has, especially for the age he's at, and, and just the little different things that he does to keep, keep himself um, going and keep himself you know, working out and keeping himself active. So it's a, it was a lot of fun playing for Pete Carroll. Uh, I wouldn't change it even if I had to go back in time. And um, I wish him the best with the Seahawks, and I hope he's doing good. Um, Pete, Pete's a really good dude, and, and I love him. And he's done a lot for me and my family, and I hope everything is good with him. Vidal, you were with Toronto last year. They didn't keep you for the entire season. I mean, did you get a bit of a raw deal there? or, or I mean, it was kind of perplexing, I thought, when they let a player of your quality just go. Um, Honestly, uh, people always ask me this, this about this situation, and, and I always tell everybody the same thing. I honestly, like, I really still don't know the, the real reason of why I'm not in Toronto. Um, I just know, like, when I was there, we had a lot of great receivers, and so anybody at any given time could have could have stepped up and made plays. But um, at, at unfortunately, I was the guy that they had put on one game, so I was just kind of hanging around, but. Um, when they released me, I, I, I still, up to this day, don't have the exact real reason. I just have a lot of speculation, which it, it can't be true, but I just have my own theories. But I moved on from that. Um, at the time, um, Ed Hervey was the GM. He called me and, and, and called me and told me he gave me the opportunity to come to the Eskimos. And, um, you know, it's a small league, so um, he's heard a lot. And he, he, he knew a lot of those stories about me were false. So he just wanted to – he just told me, man, when you come out here, just let all that stuff go. It's a – this is a A1 professional organization. When you come here, we don't care about none of that stuff. We just focus on getting our job done and, and uh, winning games. So when I got here, I, I just took that advice to heart, and I just flushed everything out. And um, I just kind of learned from that, that experience in Toronto, just from sitting down. That was kind of like a, a humbling experience for me because just, just the type of player I know I can be and how, how talented I am. So when I got here, just when I got my opportunity in camp, 
I just I, I ran with it and I never looked back. And uh, I think that's why I'm having such a good season this year, just because of that that time from last year. It's just it just humbled me so much to the point where it's like every run play, every pass play, I go out there and I give it 110 percent because I can never let that happen again. I just felt like I'm way too talented of a person, not a person, a player, to ever let that happen again. So I'm just staying strong with it and I'm and I'm continuing to grow. But uh, what, what's your biggest motivation when it comes to, to playing football? I mean, is it something a, a, as a kid? Is there a family member or a friend? Is it just personal pride? Tell tell fans a little bit where the fire comes from. Um. Well, honestly, it just comes within me. I, I've, since I was a kid, I've, I've always loved football. Like, um, I have a daughter now, and I, I would love to say that she's my motivation, even though she is. You know, that's that's the way that I, I put food on the table for her. But. I can't even really 100% say it's my daughter. It's just, it's just, it's just me, honestly. I just love everything about football. I love the game. I love the the contact. I love uh, everything. I've been doing it since I was small, since I was about in fourth or fifth grade. And and I've every season, I've always looked forward to football season. So that passion just kind of comes from me just having fun. When I'm out there having fun, it's like I just I don't feel like I could be stopped because it's just like my playground. I'm always out there smiling. You know, talking trash to guys, trying to make it fun and competitive for both of us. But um, that fire just comes from just having fun, man, just loving the game of football. Uh, injuries, I've been through so many different things in my life, and uh, and I've always bounced back from those injuries and stuff like that just because of the love. And, I, and it's just something deep down inside of me that I just know I got a, a talent about me that I just always wanted to show the world. So I'm still trying to uh, give everybody a full display of that, and um, I just got to keep it going. Fidel, a couple more quick ones for you on a bit of a lighter note. Favorite sport other than football? Uh, I love soccer. Really? I'm a soccer guy, yeah. I'm a FIFA guy. I love to play. I love to watch soccer and play it. I used to play it when I was small. That was my first sport that I ever played. Um, I, I, I kind of stopped playing soccer because it, 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 in high school it kind of was the same season as football for me, so I had to choose one. And uh, at the time I was going to school, my coach brought me there to play football, so I couldn't really tell him, like, hey, I'm not playing football no more because I want to play soccer. But if I could, if I wasn't a football player, I would definitely be trying to pursue a soccer career. Yeah, and this was Staten Island you were growing up? Yeah, I grew up in Staten Island, New York. Right on. Yep. Okay, well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned FIFA, so I was going to say, are you uh, the, the, the new Madden video games coming out later this month? Are you anticipating that? or? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. But it's, um, as an athlete, it's just certain games you have to get every year. That's 2K. Madden and FIFA for me. I'm not really a Call of Duty guy. A lot of people love Call of Duty, but I just kind of stick to the basics, the sports games that I've been getting since I was young. And I, sometimes I don't even get it for me because I have a lot of teammates that always come over and we hang out and everybody's there's always a, a conversation and people's competitive about Madden. So I will be purchasing that Madden. I'm pretty sure it comes out in August because that's the time I usually buy it. So I'll be waiting for it and I can't wait to get it. Awesome stuff. Fidel, this was a great interview. I really appreciate you taking so much time to talk to me and Eskimos fans. It was good to get to know you a little bit. Congratulations again on the big play, and I hope there are more on Friday. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. That is Vidal Hazelton checking in tonight, receiver for your Edmonton Eskimos. Man, that was a great interview. Awesome to have him on the show. Thanks for the Eskimos uh, helping him, uh, helping line him up after obviously a busy day at practice. So I hope you got to know Vidal a little bit better out of that, and certainly... Um, you know, you appreciate the focus and the passion he has for the game. Very well-spoken young man. Hope we can have him on again for sure. You can text 630-630. Got a few texts coming in. Do have uh, plenty of open line time if you want to weigh in on uh, on the video review changes today. Uh, if you want to talk about what you heard from Hazleton or any thoughts on the Eskimos 
or you, you just want to call in and talk about pressure cookers like we had somebody call in yesterday. It's Inside Sports on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, it's 6.56. We uh, went along there with Vidal Hazelton of the Edmonton Eskimos, but that was a great interview with the uh, receiver in his first year in green and gold after playing with the Argos for a couple of years. And, I, you know, he was let go by the Argos. There were, you know, reports, but was he an attitude problem? Was he dividing the room? Look, I don't cover the Toronto Argos. Uh, that was really my first experience of having an extended conversation with Vidal Hazelton. It's hard to imagine him being a dividing type personality after <laughs> after hearing that interview. And he certainly has contributed to the Edmonton Eskimos. He's made some big plays and he's playing with a lot of energy. And as he said it, he loves the physical contact. And he's a receiver. He'll fight for the ball. But as he said, he loves run blocking. And that's really valuable to have guys out there even as receivers who will be physical, who will be plowing forward, trying to make room. So anyway, that was great to have him on the show for sure. Vidal Hazelton of the Green and Gold. All right. uh, I I don't have a lot of time now because we've got the 7 o'clock news coming up, but I want to play in the next half hour, to me, the key clip of my interview with CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi, the one that really sums up why he spearheaded the, the changes to the challenge rule. Because I, I think he, he basically gave five reasons in the clip. He really gave some detailed thoughts, but I think there was one that was uh, really the crux of it. Some text here to 630-630 saying, if the uh, CFO only wants uh, majorly bad calls challenged, just have the command center watch the games and intervene when they see one of those calls. My opinion is the ref should be more consistent. It sucks waiting all the time, but if it's a bad call, they should be able to challenge an unlimited amount of times. Uh, just make the penalty for being wrong more severe. I, I know somebody said maybe you get a yardage penalty if you're wrong on a challenge. That's an interesting suggestion. I, I think taking away the timeout is enough, in my mind. Uh, Dave Leppard says, Hey, Reed, I think that coaches' challenges in general, like the CFL and the NHL, give the fans less and less confidence in the officials. The players are human, so are the officials. Mistakes are part of the game. No one makes the right decision all the time. That's what makes sports interesting and unpredictable. Sport is making fast decisions as good as one can at the time. That is a text from Dave Leppard. Got another uh, interesting text as well, comparing video challenges in different leagues. So I'll get to that when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. 